Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Anonymous Andrew here with you. Can you believe this is episode number 29? Almost to 30. Beyond my wildest dreams. So, this episode is one I've been waiting to do for quite some time. The subject of this episode is narcissistic or narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder. And I found a specialist, an expert who uh, treats narcissistic victims, their supply. Um, this is a must listen. Um, I am not calling anybody in my past a narcissist. Um, but this expert explains that there's narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic tendencies. Um, and among, and then there's, she said it, there's a spectrum. So a person can be on that narcissistic spectrum. Um, I just finished recording this interview and I am just thrilled with how it went. And I think this is a, you, you, you need to hear this interview. If you're, it's like when they say every family is affected by drugs or alcohol. I think every family has one narcissist in their family. Um, and, and narcissism is not a disorder that can be treated because a narcissist is not going to hit rock bottom and a narcissist is not going to walk into a therapeutics therapist office and say, hey, I'm a narcissist, I need help. It is one of the very few disorders that they do not seek treatment because they're not self-aware that they have a problem or they don't hit a rock bottom. Unlike alcoholism, unlike bipolar or, or other mental illnesses or addiction, anything where people hit rock bottom and then they need to seek treatment or rehab or something, a narcissist is a disorder that goes on for life. And if you are in a relationship or you're in a romantic one or a friendship or in somebody in your family is narcissist, um, you must listen to this. Um, this expert um, does have a treatment program for you um, and she offers 30 minute consultations. So um, I'll put all the information for her in the show notes. Um, I know that I will be reaching out to her because the narcissistic victim or the supply, that's what we're called, um, goes through trauma like un like no other trauma. And um, as you folks know, I'm still going through that. So anyway, here here is my interview with Dr. Pravina. I hope you enjoy. 
Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back with you today. And I am very honored to have a special guest with us today. Today, we have Dr. Praveena. And Dr. Praveena is a certified mental health and awareness practitioner. And she works with narcissistic victims and adult children um, of narcissistic parents. Um, good evening, Dr. Praveena. Or good day to you, I should say. <laughs> good day, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Okay, Dr. Bravina, this is the, the, the $64 million question. Can you tell us the true definition of narcissism? Because it is thrown around today too much, and I don't think everybody understands what it truly is. Narcissism is a personality disorder. So there are two things. Narcissism is actually a spectrum. Every one of us can be labeled as a narcissist due to the traits in it. Ma emotional uh, manipulation, emotional blackmailing, projection, gaslighting, a little bit of gossiping. Everybody does that. Mm -hmm. But what is a true narcissist? A true narcissist is a person who has only um, thoughts or they only have thoughts about themselves. They only think about themselves they regard themselves in a certain manner where they are above others, extremely selfish, um, unable to comprehend comments or criticisms or gossips about them. And the worst part of this is they lack empathy for others. I was just going to ask you that. Okay. Yeah. Do they lack empathy? Yeah. Yes. So, um, it is impossible for them to look beyond something uh, beyond themselves in a relationship. So anything that goes around in a relationship always comes back to them. They have to be given the first importance. They have to be prioritized and uh, they have to be treated in a certain way, in that sense. So this okay. is how a true narcissist is. And also, unfortunately, a narcissist will never be able to realize that they are narcissists. So they will never come to an agreement or they will never be, or they refuse to be aware of the fact that they are narcissists. So by pointing it out to them, they might not be able to accept it and they will try to twist the conversation to put the blame on you instead. Yeah. So a patient would not walk into a therapist's office and say, I'm a narcissist, I need help. <laughs> Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So let's say you find yourself in a relationship with somebody. Well, I'll tell you what, let, let's, let's, before we do that, what, what would be some symptoms of it? Like I'm in a relationship and I think this person might be narcissistic or narcissist. Yeah. What would I be looking for? What, what would be some of the red flags or symptoms or signs? So the very most important subtle symptom, many of us try to overlook this, is in a conversation, in a very simple conversation, analyze and ask yourself how many percent of that conversation is about them. When you try to put the story across or when you try to share about your day across, you see, what happens when that particular subject comes up? how will the narcissist actually twist the conversation to make it about themselves? This is actually a very subtle thing. Many of us do that. 
Sometimes we would just like to put our story forward. But how often is that in that relationship? No, is your partner willing to listen your, to your side of the story? Are they genuinely concerned? Or are they showing fake empathy only to twist the conversation to focus on them instead? Example, I had a bad day. You start talking about your, your day at work. Your boss started bashing you for some reason and you're sharing it with your partner, expecting for some sort of a love and affection. And within, within uh, a few minutes, instead of listening to you, oh, yes, I, I, I feel so bad for you, that kind of a, a fake empathy, and then it starts to turn towards them. You know, I had this, I had that, I, 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 my day, mine, me. They turn you know, it I back on themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's a very simple conversation, and probably we may overlook this a few times. But after a few conversations, if you are, you know, you, people call this emotional quotient, the EQ of the person, if they are, this relates to the presence of mind, which I will talk about it later. But if you realize it, the person will never allow you to share about themselves. It's always about, only about them, about the narcissist. So these are subtle warning signs. Something that is very commonly overlooked. Yeah, well, I, I can identify with that because in my past relationship, I overlooked all of that. And it, and it was, wasn't until I was out of the relationship that I looked back and then I saw some of these. Uh, I, I, I will never label her a narcissist, but I think she had. So we discussed this before the interview. Um, what's the difference between narcissistic personality disorder and a, par and a person with narcissistic tendencies? Is there a such a thing? With Oh, yes, yes. A person with narcissistic tendencies, when they start talking about themselves or things like that, there is a subconscious mind that tells them that they are being selfish. No, there is some part of them that uh, that is aware of their behavior. Self-aware, yeah. But NPDs, they do not have that. They genuinely believe whatever that they say is true and they are above everyone else mm. so that's the part where it becomes very tricky when somebody tries to you know have a conversation with a person with narcissistic personality disorder we tend to tell ourselves that uh, you know this person needs help we need to be there with them we try to knock some sense into them have a coffee table chat trying to get you know get that uh, to tell them there's something wrong with them it will never work and the conversation will be a very uh, draining one, frustrating one, simply because the person with NPD will not be able to acknowledge that. Whatever that you say will be used, will, they will accept it as some sort of a criticism, as something you're, you're going against them. And it will trigger rage, or in some cases, drama, emotional drama. And you can never get your point across. This is a person with NPD. Okay. Thank you, because I, I know that there's MPD and narcissistic tendencies. Um, I, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm writing down all these questions. Um, what makes a narcissist a narcissist? That, are they born that way? Or is it something that they went through tra trauma in their childhood? Or how yeah. does one be develop into narcissism 
is it a trait? Is it a gene or is it learned? Currently, there are no uh, proofs on narcissistic being, uh, narcissism being a genetic personality, genetically inherited. However, environment plays a very important role in being a narcissist. I, from the cases that I've uh, been with, from the clients that I've spoken to, many of them were stuck in this rut of narcissistic abuse. It's a very vicious cycle. So in childhood days, you were exposed to a narcissistic environment or a toxic environment for that matter. You grow up tired trying to compensate that situation. So mostly I deal with people who have a childhood trauma growing up with narcissistic parents. They can't seem to get out of that cycle. So in this case, there are two coping mechanisms, Andrew. One, the person becomes a narcissist or the person becomes a people pleaser. So one is the, the weak counterpart of it. I would say the, the subtle counterpart of it, the one with a lot of emotions and you know, tears and sadness. And the other one becomes very arrogant and vengeful and you know, they can become a, a overt narcissist or a malignant narcissist, a mild case of malignant narcissist. These are the two coping mechanisms. If one is exposed to an environment since they were young. So currently, um, majority of uh, the traits that a narcissist inherit is due to the environment, due to their surroundings. Hmm. At what age does it, so it's it's a slow burn, slow process as they grow. At what age do you typically see an NPD develop into a? Does it does it happen in their teens, teens, the young twenties? There's they, no particular say on how. Do, sorry, did I cut you? Did you? You had your question across, right? So you're asking me about when this narcissism trait as an NPD shows up. Correct. You'll you'll be surprised to know that uh, narcissistic traits can show up even when we are very young, when when we we were we are exposed to you know primary days or kindergarten days. You can actually see the narcissistic traits at that very young age. You see, when you are you grow up within a toxic environment, the child themselves will try to go out and try to compensate that at an age where they cannot control anything. And they do not realize this. They do not process it as NPD. But these traits, like what you said, it's a slow burn throughout the years, this develop. And if the parent or the guardian or if someone else does not catch this, this will be a full-blown personality disorder okay um wow i this is a very um favorite topic of mine because i like i said earlier it's a it's a term that's being bantered around a lot a lot these days and um i think it's used too much and i don't think it's used properly <clears throat> you're right um, <clears throat> yeah um it, is there a percentage of the population? Do have they done any studies? Is there a percentage of the population that is NPD? Uh, from what I've studied, it's every one percent out of uh, 
thousand people that is a narcissist. Okay. This is a very loose statistic because not many of them actually seek therapy or counseling for this. Here is what I think is a great question because I'm struggling with self-love, self-worth, mm -hmm. self-respect, self-empowerment because I was stripped of that in this last relationship and I'm trying to build it back up again. Does okay. a narcissist love himself or themselves or herself? Um, they, they pretend that they do. However, what a narcissist is showing themselves is not self-love. This is something that, um, that maybe a narcissist may not agree. You know, they, they, they seem to have so much of self-importance. They seem to love themselves. They seem to only prioritize themselves. But this is not self-love because their actions are also burdening themselves. Mm. When a person is constantly thinking about how to put themselves forward in a conversation or in a relationship, the backside of it is you are also draining yourself because you constantly live in a competitive, um, simulated environment. You constantly uh, compete with the thoughts of being the best. And in that process, you stamp everyone, you, you, you just uh, disregard everybody else's emotions. And, and in, even do, in doing that, you are actually draining yourself. You tire yourself and you tire others. In my opinion, that is definitely not self-love. Yeah. So a narcissist becomes a narcissist simply because they don't even understand themselves. They do not know what exactly they want. Their motives, their, their behaviors, action, thoughts is all driven to achieve something superficial. You see, being uh, the number one in a conversation or being the number one in an organization or being, being uh, you know, uh, trying to manipulate others in a, in a relationship mm. is not self-love. By doing that, you're just putting, you're just exposing your weakness to a certain extent that becomes something uh, more prominent as the relationship goes by. Would you say a narcissist has insecurity issues? Exactly. Insecurity. Okay. <clears throat> so that's okay. why they are competitive. They, it's a draining process if you think about it. Yeah. Can a narcissist show empathy toward either a stranger or let's say animals. And and the reason I asked that is because this past relationship, while I, I did say she's not a narcissist, she had narcissistic tendencies, yet she had an overwhelming love for animals, rescued animals. And she also had an overwhelming passion for the homeless. And, um, I could see that in action. I don't know if it was an act, but it, but the animal's rescue was not an act. Uh, one day I saw her feed a homeless person. She ran into a restaurant, bought some food and gave it to the homeless person. And I, I stood there in awe because this is not something I expected her to do. And I don't know if it was just her way of saying, hey, look at me, look, look how, how wonderful I can be 
uh, would a narcissist do something like that? Show yes, compassion? Indeed. They can. Yeah. yeah. You see, um, what is happening here is that probably your partner would have had a, um, a toxic upbringing. Mm -hmm. As they grow, they've conditioned themselves to shift that that love that they did not get, mm -hmm. that compassion that they did not get towards other beings, homeless, like um, you mentioned homeless guy, right? And also animals. It is very common for a narcissist to show affection, empathy towards animals, beings that will not be able to reiterate or give you that tantrums yeah. and things like that yeah. because... They can see the innocence in the animal. And um, that is not an act, Andrew. It is because of how abused they are um. internally. And that's why they project it in that way. Also, a little bit of what you mentioned, that also to make them feel good about themselves. You see, I'm doing this. I, I am good. I'm a good person. Mm. You, you constantly try to validate it within yourself, which wow. is not necessary. But it's actually a very complex scenario here, Andrew. Wow. But I strongly believe, and I've seen that too, that narcissists, they do tend to show extra affection towards beings that, that probably are helpless and animals, mainly animals in this category. Yeah. Interesting. Because that really confused me. Because I... I it... It, it confused me and I didn't know what to make of it. Um, is there hope for a narcissist? What, what, if, if one could get a narcissist to say, okay, I, 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 maybe I am, and maybe I need help. Is there therapy? Is there a methodology, a, a methodology that, can one be cured? Can one be treated? So a person with NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, as I mentioned, they will not be able to realize that they are narcissists. So the chances of them seeking treatment may be almost close to impossible. Mm. But a person with narcissistic traits, the one who realizes that something goes wrong or something is wrong with them, with their relationships and they just can't seem to make sense of it. And when they ask, when the question com comes up, when they self-question and that thought comes up saying that, maybe I'm a narcissist. That's when you can seek help. A narcissist who realizes that they have narcissistic traits, if that makes sense, oh, they yeah. will be, they are in the verge of, you can, you can actually help them. You can lift them out of the situation. But they must choose to seek that help. This happens in every personality disorder or every mental health issues. Oh, yeah. Only, yeah. Only well, when the person seeks help. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, my, my audience knows this. I live with bipolar disorder and I'm a recovering alcoholic. So there are two DSM um, diagnoses that have bottom. So I hit my bottom and I knew mm -hmm. that I needed help. Uh, so I hit a bipolar bottom many, many, many years ago, and I was diagnosed and treated. I hit an alcoholic bottom. I was diagnosed and treated. Um, 
so many mood disorders or psychological or mental disorders, the person presenting may have a bottom um, and they and they can be treated. Do you think a, a, an NPD person has a bottom? Could Is there such a thing for an NPD? A rock bottom? It's a where... lifelong disorder. Rock yeah. bottom. Um, no. In my research, in my observation, it is an ongoing thing. There is yeah. no such thing as a peak narcissist or a, or a surface level narcissist. Only when their emotions become too overwhelming, even then you cannot classify that's a rock bottom. You mm. they may surprise themselves by going even further. So we say if we classify that as rock bottom, they can go even further down, or they may resurface. So the, it's a very fine line to to classify them as such. Do they have many friends? Uh, they do. They, they this is again based on the category of the narcissist that we are talking about. Many narcissists, overt narcissists, they display themselves as being very uh, highly confident, charming, simply because they need to, the, the need for them to show others that they are good. So what happens is that on a superficial level, yes, they may gain friends. But again, based on observation and research, this will not be a long-term relationship. Correct. Because towards the end, at some point, a narcissist will, this, uh, the traits of a narcissist will resurface. And when people catch that, many of them will want to walk away from it. They won't stick around, exactly. Yes. That, that, that's what I, why I asked that, because I, I, I happen to know that they, they will find, so a narcissist, so I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to, I'd like to hear about your practice and how, because I know there's a little bit of a, a, a difference in what you, when you practice a narcissist their victims they call them supply have you yes you, yes supply. so yes so if they run out of supply they they go looking for the, their other supply so can you explain that a little bit a narcissist sure. and his supply correct so when um a narcissist looks for their victim or supply and when they find that particular right person, they will drain them out of their resources, mm -hmm. depending on what their goal is. Financial resources, maybe emotional resources. They need some sort of a person, uh, a person who can listen to their drama all the time. Or just for the sake of it, always be aware that at the base level, there is no importance to that partner. It is always about the narcissist. So when they come up with certain conditions and things. Also, I would like to address this one thing, Andrew, about the person who falls for a narcissist. Oftentimes, I've heard about, I've even, I've coached a particular client who had this issue as well. They came, they came, he came to me saying that he's been love-bombed and gaslit and manipulated and yet, he stayed for this many years because he thinks that, uh, you know, the love is true and things like that. For people who fall for narcissists, for, who fall for a narcissist, there is also a tendency for them. Why are they attracted to this narcissist in the first place? Because they have the tendency 
to look for codependency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I talk to victims, when I talk to victims who fall for this narcissist, so I would try to reframe their conversation. This is my uh, framework, my technique that I use is to instead of focus on that narcissist who has so-called inverted commas destroyed your life, mm -hmm. look back into yourself. Ask yourself, why? Why is only the first level, Andrew? It is only the first level because after addressing that why, the first few stages, it's now back to the present moment. Okay, At the present moment, no one, this is also for the narcissist victims because I work with people with childhood trauma, right? So I will ask themselves, I will ask them whether, is there anyone right now that is capable of shifting your reality? Meaning that, is the narcissist right now in your life trying to nag you or pull you down or drag you? And who is the one allowing them to do that? Isn't it yourself? Yeah. So when you have this active questioning, reframing questions, you will tend to realize that everything, the work that happens is mainly in you. Mm -hmm. When you try to heal yourself and you try to get, you know, ask yourself why. Why did you fall for that person? Am I, am I good enough? Do I need to, you know, depend on this person? There's, there's always an issue with codependency here, Andrew. So that's why narcissist victims should always focus on themselves. When they start focusing on themselves, that would be the pre-pre-step of self-love. And that's exactly where I am right now. I am, um, my audience knows that's I'm working on that right now. Thank you so much. Now, I'd like to ask you a little bit about you and your practice and... Um, I know in your bio, and you told me that you are working with adult children of narcissistic parents. So tell me a little bit about your practice and, and how you, okay. how, yeah. How did I get into this? So, um, so why I got into this, maybe that would be the precursor of this whole thing, why I'm working with narcissistic victims. So I was an adopted child. I was brought up in a toxic environment where my parents were narcissists, specifically my mother. My father was more of the supply. Um, growing up in an environment where your parents were narcissists makes you feel that everything around you, this is your normal, this is your reality. When you grow up with narcissistic parents, that is your normal. And every time when you wake up, you tend to have a conversation with yourself, thinking on how to tread this day without any arguments or fights. Because you can never know what triggers the narcissist. In this case, it's my mother. I had to, you know, plan my day in a certain way so that I will not trigger anything. Or any amount of emotional outburst will cause a damage to me. This happens at a very, very young age. I don't even know why I'm going through all this. So things continued. And uh, as I grew up, I started realizing that the, the, the environment that I grew up in was not normal. So when I meet people, when I meet friends, when I meet uh, uh, my colleagues, when I started working, 
I, I realized there was something abnormal, something off here, but I couldn't put a finger to it. I couldn't point out what exactly was wrong until I came up with the term narcissism. This is after marriage. That was a that was a whole new drama altogether. So yeah. I found a person uh, out of, uh, you know, not to her approval because she wanted someone within the radius of my house distance. So meaning that if I'm here, the person must be around five kilometer radius. I mm. found someone who's way away. Uh, all this criteria doesn't make sense, Andrew. So I realized that this is not the life that I want to live. So if you ask me about suicidal thoughts, you ask me about many other things that a narcissist would actually work or, or a narcissist would actually try to mold you to, to act according to their wishes or actions, I can relate to that because I've been going through this for the past, I'm out of this, but I have been going through this for the past three decades before wow. I actually came out of it at an age where I didn't realize what was happening until I got to know the term narcissism. So my awakening started with the term narcissism and then I realized everything falls in the checklist and I wanted to get out of it. So I took this certifications, courses. I spoke to many people out there. I had my own research. I'm also a researcher. I'm an academician. So the tendency to research was there. And I found out that narcissism is actually a disorder. Mm. And when that happens, acceptance comes in. So I have a framework called the Narcissistic Victim Empowerment Technique Framework. One that I've created based on my life experience and based on um, clients that I have uh, helped to heal. On a... So this is a framework that talks about empowering yourself the main issue with the narcissist victim is the guilt shame and fear these three strongest emotions that actually the biggest emotions that that manipulates you to not come out of that cycle to not come out of that abuse if you're able to address shame guilt and fear that's when you will start loving yourself and that's when you are able to put a boundary around you to not allow this narcissist to come in. When you start radiating, you will not attract a narcissist. The narcissist will not be able to find that supply in you. So there must be a reason why this narcissist comes to you in the first place. They would have seen that, that, that uh, characteristics of, or the traits of a supply where they can drain by adopting this framework of mine, you will not have that. You will radiate so much of confidence and positivity that you will never fall into the narcissistic cycle again. So that is what I do. I specifically work with adult children of narcissistic parents. They abbreviate it as ACON, A-C-O-N. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's what I do. And I do this out of passion. <clears throat> I really want to see changes in my clients. And um, and I've been enjoying it so much. I also would call this, the reason why I started this is also because I had the ability to come out of it and I wanted to help others. And also my own coping mechanism. This is something that I would like to share also. When you start helping others out of this relationship, life also makes sense to the person 
who is coaching them. You, yeah. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. I do. So I'm 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 very excited to be doing this. And when somebody says that they've actually come out of this narcissistic abuse, uh, nothing gives me happiness more than hearing that they are out of it. I, I, I've said this to many guests on my podcast. Where were you four years ago when I needed you? <laughs> you know, um, but but here I am out of the other side. And um, and and unfortunately, I'm, you know, I shouldn't say unfortunately, I'm 63 and, I, and I'm just learning a lot of this. And a lot of this stems from my sobriety. I'm just trying to figure life out at this ripe age. But I am learning and I am starting to get some self-empowerment and self-love. And uh, it, it's a slow, that too is a slow burn. It doesn't happen overnight, especially if to somebody like a supply, like me, if I was a supply, it takes heal, time to heal, right? And and work and working with somebody like yourself. So, all right, tell us, uh, let's wrap this up. Tell us, um, well, I'll put everything in the show notes where they can contact you. Do you do virtual work? Yes, yes, yeah. I do virtual work. Yeah, I coach online. Online. Great. Okay. So I'll put in the show notes. I do have all your information where they can reach you. I also think you, do you have a blog on your website? Yes, I do. I do have yeah. a blog on my website. I was I reading also, one of them today. Good. Yeah. So they can find me at www.drpravina.com dr-pravena p-r-a-v-e-e-n-a.com Okay. You can uh, download my freebie from there, from this website. It's uh, 14 Days to an Empowered You. It's a 66-page guide, including some uh, worksheets and affirmations and activities, very practical tools and tips for you to get out of the situation, the start of getting out of a narcissistic abuse cycle. So you can download my freebie from there and if you are ready. So I always emphasize this on any shows that I'm, I'm on to request the people who wants to seek help to be ready, to be ready to accept the help or the support that I'm willing, I'm extending to you. If you're ready for that, then book a transformation session with me. It's a 30 minutes uh, free session. Let's see how, how I can help you in that situation. So that's where people can find me. Wow, that's great. I, I, the term narcissism and the NPD um, diagnosis has been fascinating to me. Um, I, I've been myself in the mental health field. I, I run a peer-to-peer -peer mood disorder group, and I've been helping people with mood disorders for almost 20 years. But this this NPD thing is uh, an enigma, and, and I'm, but I, I am glad there's somebody like you out there helping um the the adult children of narcissistic parents and 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 others so dr bravina i know it's early where you are thank you for coming on thank you for sharing your insight it has been um, a pleasure to speak with you um i i encourage my audience to go to her website and and download that and and i do i did read your blog today one of your blogs so fascinating information on her website so everybody dr bravina thank you so much for joining me tonight you have thank a wonderful you so day. Much. Okay. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for listening. Um, and I hope you enjoyed that 
um, or at least learned something and got something out of that. Um, if you're enjoying my podcast, please, I urge you to, uh, if your platform allows you to give reviews, uh, give me a review. Um, I, I'm gaining an audience, but I'm, I'm not anywhere near where I'd like to be, and I need your help. Um, also, spread the word. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, tell your friends, tell your co-workers, anybody that you think might um, enjoy this podcast. As you see, we're st I am slowly starting to shift this away from my story and just getting into the nuts and bolts or the bread and butter of the world of mental illness and um, the red flags and all of that, as I promised in the beginning, um, we're, I'm doing my best trying not to make this about me. Um, while I am learning and I'm, and I'm understanding what I went through and, and how I need to heal, this is for you folks. I am trying to get as many experts out there to come on and talk about how we can better our life so we can make better choices in our lives. And in my case, my next choice in a partner will not be one with narcissistic tendencies <laughs> or, or whatever they fall into that spectrum. So thank you very much for listening. And episode number 30 will be coming up in a few days. Thank you so much, folks. Ciao.